The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. Bible says Genesis chapter 9. When you find Genesis chapter 9, you're going to need three hands today. Put, your, put a finger there and, and find Numbers 35. And when you find Numbers 35, go to the New Testament and put a marker there for number, uh, Romans 13, verse 1. If you're there in Genesis 1, please stand, and we're going to read God's Word. Genesis 9, verse 5, and says, And surely your blood of your lives will I require it. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Now we go to Numbers 35, verse 30. 35, verse 30. Whoso killeth any person, the murderer should be put to death by the mouth of witnesses, by one but by but one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. Moreover, ye shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death. And ye shall take no satisfaction for him that is fled to the city of his refuge, that he should come again to dwell in the land until the death of the priest. So you shall put, so you shall not pollute the land wherein ye are, for blood it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. Now we go to the New Testament, Romans 13 and verse 1. Romans 13 and verse 1 reads, Let every soul be subject Unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will that then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he, for he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must need be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Let us pray. 
My Father in heaven, what a privilege it is, and what a tremendous opportunity to preach your word. Father, we pray that you will bless our pastor and his wife. Pray that you will bring him back to good health so she can, so he can continue to pastor this church. Pray for all those, Lord, who come to listen to the preaching of your word. Pray that the message will be edifying. Pray that your name will be lifted up in all that we do. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. A few years ago, I was invited to attend a gang awareness presentation. And uh, raising two children, I thought it would be a good idea for me to learn how gangs operate. You can never be too careful, you know. And the guy that had put this presentation together looked like a gangster. He spoke like a gangster, walked like a gangster, behaved like a gangster. And he has set up two large tables with clothing of specific colors, shoes of specific brands, belts, hats, and many things. And he said that gang members identify themselves with colors and brands. And this is how innocent people get shot by gangsters because wearing the wrong color can get you killed in areas where there is gangs. He then went on to describe some of the crimes that these people commit in order to continue in the gang. And I learned that gangs, even though they look like a bunch of crazy people, they are very organized. And every member occupies a very specific place in the organization. And every order that is handed down in the chain of command is carried out precisely and without questions because these are like soldiers. You know, they're very, very organized. At the end of the presentation, he said that he wanted to know if we had any questions or suggestions on how to fix the problem of society in regard in regards to gangs. And young people, especially, who get involved in gangs and commit horrible crimes. He said, he said that broken families contrib- contribute to the problem because, whether we like it or not, broken families neglect their children, and young people are looking for a place that will take them in as family. Uh, And the gang is is able to provide, in in part, a a false sense of security. In part, I agree, because I know a little bit about life on the streets, but I can tell you that becoming a criminal is a choice you make. Growing up without a family, without a father, without a mother, or someone who loves you is extremely difficult. Every young person needs to have someone who cares about him or her. Someone who will take the time to guide you along and show you how to stay out of trouble because when you're young, trouble is everywhere. But even in the most difficult circumstances of life, It all comes down to the choices you make. You always know that stealing is bad. Killing people is bad. Lying is bad. Doing drugs is bad. You always know what is right and what is wrong. And every time you're faced with a temptation, you have a choice to make. And if you make the wrong choice, you have no one to blame 
by yourself. So I raised my hand and I gave him my opinion on how to fix that problem, which, by the way, is not that difficult to fix. The problem is that we don't have any people with guts to do what is right. And uh, let's just say that he didn't agree with me. Um, he said that I was uh, too blunt. He didn't invite me again. He said my, my ideas were too practical. And uh, <laughs> he wouldn't fly, he said. So today I'm talking about the death penalty, in case you didn't know that. The death penalty was instituted over 800 years before the law was given. And according to the Bible, there are many offenses that you can commit against God and against society that will qualify you for the death penalty. I'm going to give you a few. You can write them down and study them on your own if you like. And then we'll get into the message. Number one is murder. That's Exodus 20 and verse 13. Number two is rape. Deuteronomy 22, verse 25. Number three is kidnapping. That's Exodus 21 and verse 16. Number four is witchcraft. Exodus 22, verse 18. And Leviticus 20, verse 27. Number five is homosexuality. Which, by the way, that word is wrong. It should be sodomites. That's the correct interpretation of that. That's Leviticus 20 and verse 13. Uh, number six is bestiality. That's having sex with animals. Leviticus 20, verse 15 and 16. Number seven is smiting your father or your mother. That carries a death sentence for you the young people. Um, Exodus 20 and verse 15. Cursing your father or your mother. That carries a death penalty for young people again. Leviticus 20, verse 9. Number 9 is adultery. Leviticus 20 and verse 10. And number 10, having sex with your daughter-in-law. Sick and twisted people. And besides these 10, there are at least 10 more offenses that you can commit that will qualify you for the death penalty, according to to the Bible. Now, the people that oppose the death penalty use Exodus 20 and verse 13 to defend their claim because commandment number 6 simply reads, Thou shalt not kill. But these people stop reading too soon because in the very next chapter, in Exodus 21 and verse 12, we read, He that smiteth a man so that he died should be surely put to death. So was God confused? Uh, he made a mistake when he spoke or contradicted himself? No, he's emphasizing that human life is precious and priceless and sacred. And only God has the right to take a life. Human government, then, is a tool in the hands of God to execute judgment on evildoers. If you dare to take the life of a person you are in complete violation of commandment number six, the law of God. And when God says, thou shall not kill, and you decide to break that commandment, then you can be sure that the justice system that God has ordained for the protection of the innocent has the right to take your life. 
Some people have the idea that Jesus did away with the Ten Commandments, but that is not true at all. If you look at Matthew five seventeen, we read, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy it, but to fulfill. The Bible provides plenty of information regarding the death penalty. And God will hold accountable the people in authority who refuse to execute judgment on wicked people. By the way, I don't have a, a, a points on this sermon. You know, you break it down in one, two, three, and four. I don't have any of that, just one long sermon. The job of people, of the people running our justice system, is to protect the innocent and to punish the wicked. But lately, if you notice, it looks like it's the other way around. And I know that some people get offended because they don't like to hear politics from the Bible, but I mean from the pulpit, but keep in mind that the main theme of the Bible is a king and his kingdom. King and kingdom involves politics. You can't get away from it. If you're a Bible believer, you're in politics up to your neck, whether you like it or not. And the argument is, who is going to rule? Either God would rule or Satan will run the show. There is no in-between. For, our, for us Christians, our final authority is the Bible, and our responsibility is to preach and proclaim the gospel wherever we go, regardless of what happens. And whichever dispensation of time you are, that is your responsibility as a Christian. Tell it like it is. Understand that you're not going to be popular when you take that position, but that's just the way it is. If you're serving the Lord, Satan will give you problems. If you're serving Satan, the Lord will give you problems. So you, you're in trouble anyways, no matter what side you take. So all I say is, make up your mind and stick with it. We're living in very interesting times, if you notice. And we find ourselves in this mess because we have turned our backs on God. And without the Bible, you have no direction on how to deal with the problem of sin. The truth is fast disappearing. Nobody wants to hear it like it is. And even people who profess to be Christian have a hard time dealing with reality. If you notice that our society is very sensitive and thin-skinned, you can't say anything strong because they get mad. And the first thing they say is, you offended me. And they get up and walk away, you know. Snowflakes. So much so that you have to be politically correct when you speak. Because if you don't, the snowflakes will melt away, you know. And you have to choose your words carefully. Because you will offend them. Everyone claims to be a victim of something. Everywhere you go, you know, I'm a victim of something. They want to, you know... Pay me restitution because you offended me. Nobody claims responsibility anymore. We come to the issue of justice and people don't believe that God endorses the death penalty to get rid of criminals. Now throughout our history, in all civilizations and in all dispensations, most of society has been in favor of the death penalty. And you can trace, back, trace this back to the late 1950s and early 1960s 
when the idea of getting rid of criminals started to decline to the point that now in our state, even though those laws are in the books, we're not implementing any of them. When the liberal philosophy began to influence our government, many of the, of the parts of society began to question this God-ordained form of punishment. We ignore that sin is horrible. Because of sin, we find ourselves in this mess. Sin is so horrible that the first son of Adam bear the image of fallen Adam. The first murder was committed in the world by the first son of the first man that God created in his image. Human life is precious. The creation of man is the crown jewel of God's work. All the things that he, cre- that he made, he spoke them into, into existence. But man, he, he fashioned man out of the dust of the ground and put in him the breath of life. That is, he became a living soul. And it's interesting when you read your Bible that only man was created in the image of God and only man blasphemed the name of his maker. You don't hear a dog barking anything evil towards God. And only man refuses to obey and do what is right. I find it incredible that, that liberals don't see this. Maybe they do refuse to see it. But while, while, while criminals are running wild in the streets, killing police officers, terrorizing law-abiding citizens, burning and destroying private property, local jails and prisons across our land are overflowing with criminals, so much so that they have started to release violent criminals. They're coming to, the, to our communities, and there's nothing we can do because that's the law of the land. And society cries out for justice and protection while the do-gooders are trying to keep these vile people from getting what they rightly deserve. There's a cry from the liberals who are very concerned about the treatment of the evildoer. They think that God loves everybody and they fail to read the scriptures and learn that the loving Jesus said that there are some people who have Satan as their daddy. The do-good or liberal bleeding heart who thinks that capital punishment is not civilized, fails to understand that many communities are in fear. There are some areas in our country that police won't go in. It's worse than a war zone. They don't go there. And that is because judgment is not being executed quickly. They're always worried about the treatment of that criminal. They're very concerned that the treatment that he will receive when he's being put to death will be too severe. They want to know if that criminal will experience pain while he's being executed. One of the sure signs that society has become sick and twisted is when people who are in positions of power and have the authority to execute judgment on criminals worry more about the murderer suffering when he is being put to death for his or her actions. They don't think about the victims. The way out of a crime now is the insanity plea. 
all you have to do is, I'm crazy, and you're off the hook. Which is another tactic implemented by liberals trying to keep these murderers from paying the ultimate price against society. Now, it is true that to commit murder is a sure sign that you are insane. That's for sure. But that gives you no right to take the life of another person. God doesn't accept that insane plea. So now let's take a look at what God has to say about the death penalty and see where the liberals have lost their grip on reality. Capital punishment is mentioned before the law, under the law, and after the law in this dispensation of time that we call the dispensation of grace. In Genesis chapter 9, God tells us that a man that kills another man is to be put to death by the hand of another man. We didn't invent that. That's God's law. And it's interesting when reading your Bible that you don't read anything about anyone serving time in prison until you get to Genesis chapter 39 and verse 20 when Potiphar put Joseph in prison. That's the first time you read about anybody serving time in prison. When Cain killed his brother Abel, God warned man of this punishment in the very early part of the history of man. And he said that a man that kills another man is to be put to death by man. When God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and told him to go back to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, keep in mind that the Hebrew children had been in bondage for 430 years. And God kept his promise. And after 10 plagues, Egypt was crushed and they were ready to let them go. They realized that if they didn't let the Hebrews go, God was going to kill them all. But when Pharaoh realized what he had done, he slapped himself on the side of his head and said, Hey, we got to go get them. If we let them go, our economy will go. And so he went after them, got all his army, and when he caught up with them at the Red Sea, God parted the waters, and the Hebrew children walked across on dry ground, and Pharaoh and his army thought that they would be able to get him back, only to have God drown him and all his army. Now when the children of God saw the dead bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore, they didn't cry because the wicked people that had oppressed them for so long were dead. Instead, they sang a song. And that's what they did. After God made them free, he knew that these people would need some guidelines because they need to know how to get along with each other. We know these guidelines as the Ten Commandments. These Ten Commandments are timeless and they're universal. They apply to everybody at all times. And if you follow these Ten Commandments, they will point to a man. That is the man, Jesus Christ. And at the same time, they will keep you from being a slave to sin and avoiding punishment from God. And although the Ten Commandments were given to the Israelites, God didn't intend to judge only the Israelites by them. The Gentiles will be judged by them and will pay the same price when they break them. In Romans 2, 14 and 15, we read, 
For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, but do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. So even if you have never heard about God, God took it upon himself and put his signature in your heart so that you know. God gave you a conscience. That is your warning device that will keep you out of trouble. And when you decide to do something sinful, you do it knowingly that is wrong. And again, you have no one to blame by yourself. If you are an unsaved person, every sin that you commit is a double crime. Every time you sin, you sin against God and you sin against your own soul. And a day is coming when God is going to reveal everything that you have done, including the things that you have done in secret that nobody knows. God knows. Now, the sixth commandment reads, Thou shall not kill. This commandment has nothing to do with killing someone in a time of war. When a soldier goes to war and kills people, it's justifiable by whoever gave the order to go out there and kill people. He's bearing the blood of the people that will die. But then again, war is justifiable in the Bible. When Jesus is speaking to a young man about eternal life in Matthew 19 and uh, yeah Matthew 19 verses 17 through 19 our lord tells him to keep the ten, to keep the commandments and when he comes to the sixth commandment he gave him the exact meaning of this commandment which is that shall do no murder this shows you that god said this shows you that when god said that shall not kill he's not speaking about killing someone in a time of war and I say that because liberals use that to justify defending a murderer. Let me just say this, that God knows the human heart and the Bible has all the answers. The reason why these heathens were able to get rid of the Ten Commandments way back in the 60s, 70s, is because when you have the Ten Commandments on display, you have the word of God. And it's constantly telling you to do what is right. But if you are a wicked person in a position of power, the best thing for you to do is to get rid of God. And when you do that, you can run the show. You have nobody to hold you accountable. That's what you think. This shows you that a low IQ and a lack of education has nothing to do with being wicked and immoral. The people who make it a crime to have the Ten Commandments on display in the courthouse, in public buildings, or in the classroom, they're not stupid people. They know what they're doing. These are very highly educated people. But it goes to show you that wicked people with high IQ are dangerous to society. And for these people, including God in everything we do, on a daily basis, goes beyond the separation of church and state. But this is what happens. You kick God out and his Ten Commandments, 
And you can run the show without your conscience pricking you by what you read. But God in return, he does what he always does. He takes away from these people the ability to think clearly. You just look around and see what these people are doing. When you remove yourself from God, God will make sure that your brain turns into mush and you are unable to think clearly. You just can't. Eventually, you become a bloodthirsty beast that only gets satisfaction by stepping and crushing anyone who gets in your way. That's what you do. You study the Bible and learn how, and learn how Israel went down, and you will see that there are many, many similarities to the way America is behaving. America was founded on biblical principles. But we have turned our backs on God. And because of that, America is in a downward spiral. And it doesn't look like America is willing to repent of our sins. You read in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8, when Israel insisted that they wanted to have a king just like the nations around them. And Samuel was devastated. And he went to God with what they were saying. And God said, no, it's okay. They haven't rejected you. They have rejected me. So it's okay. Go ahead and give him a king. But before you give him a king, tell him what kind of king they're going to get. And so Samuel goes back and delivers the message. And he tells him, right now God is your king. He's fighting your wars and he's protecting you. If you choose, if you choose an earthly king, God will not protect you from your enemies. Is that what you want? And they said, yeah, that sounds great. That's what we want. Your king will take your sons and appoint them to himself. He will build an army with your sons and he will send them off to war to fight and they will die. Is that what you want? They said, oh yeah, that's great. That's what we want. Sounds like Washington, right? Your king will take your daughters and will put them to work baking and preparing food for his army. Is that what you want? They said, oh yeah, that's what we want. Your king will take your land, your seed, and your livestock for himself. Is that what you want? Oh yeah, that's fantastic. That's what we want. And Samuel concludes that speech by saying, A day is coming when you will cry out to God because of your king, and the Lord will not hear you. Are you sure that's what you want? Oh yeah. That's what we want. Okay. That's what you're going to get. And they got a king. A very wicked king. So wicked that when you come to the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, the first king of Israel is not mentioned. The first king mentioned in, in Matthew in the genealogy of Christ is King David. King Saul in your Bible is a type of the Antichrist because he persecuted King David, which is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know that we complain about our lawmakers abusing their power, protecting criminals, passing laws that are not fair for 
law-abiding citizen and all that. But if you really look at this thing, our problem is much complicated than it looks. Wicked people in positions, in positions of power is only a reflection of the people who vote for them. Our nation has become wicked. That is the problem. God says, put the murderers to death, because if you don't, your land will become polluted. And our lawmakers say, no, we can make money if we keep them alive. We tax the people, and we'll make money. And that's what they do. The prison system, if you didn't know, is a big industry. They make a lot of money. And you, the taxpayer, has to support all kinds of social programs invented by politicians. That money is coming out of you and me. I'm working on trying to get me a bumper sticker that is going to read, Work Harder, Millions Depend on You. Another bright idea created by politicians is to push drugs in our communities. You know, not that long ago, drug dealers were afraid of the police. Now the police, because of the the laws that they have passed, they have to protect drug dealers. There are many businesses around here selling drugs, and the police have to protect them because they're now business, legitimate businesses. How about abortion? We kill over 350,000 unborn babies every year in the USA. For these people, if you abuse a dog, you go to jail. But if you support Planned Parenthood, you're a good citizen. We're living in the days when people are kissing their dogs and killing their babies. These are the leaders who put a very strong emphasis on saving the environment, protecting the cute pussycat, the spotted owl, the slimy salamander, the multiple-colored snake. They promote sodomy, drugs, alcohol, and make it a crime to proclaim the gospel of Christ in the workplace or everywhere you go. It's not illegal to go to any business and try to preach. They throw you out, put you in jail. This leads to a society that loves, to, loves death and hates life. They love, to, they love to do evil and hate to do what is right to the point that it becomes degenerate. Paul uses the word reprobate in Romans one twenty eight. That is a society that has become useless for God to keep. And eventually, God will have to judge it. He has no choice but to get rid of them. Eventually, the fruits of their labors will start to show up. Because there is a law, sowing and reaping. You always reap what you sow. And the liberals are whining because there are so many bad people doing too many bad things. And they are the ones who created this mess. Our society is in chaos because they refuse to do what is right. You can call this freedom without responsibility. 
You cannot abuse your freedom. It'll come back and hunt you. In the book of Numbers, chapter 35, God gives you the guidelines for the death penalty and the so-called insanity plea is not mentioned not even one time. You won't find it in the Bible. God knows nothing about the insane claim of a murder, but somehow a shameless defense attorney paid for by you and me in many cases is always able to find a bleeding heart liberal shrink that will try to convince a jury to have compassion and spare the life of a criminal. What it is mentioned in, in Numbers 35 is the cities of refuge for anyone, Hebrew or Gentile, who killed a person accidentally. But for a murder, God provided no protection. If a murderer fled to a city of refuge, someone had to go get him and bring him back, and the avenger of blood will put him to death. Now, the avenger of of blood was generally, at that time, a relative of the victim. And no one could be put to death without at least two or three witnesses. That's Deuteronomy 17, verse 6, if you want a Bible reference there. Under the guidelines that God had put in place, no one was put to death without evidence and witnesses testifying that the person who was being accused of a crime was indeed guilty. Now imagine what would happen if a judge nowadays will order the court to begin with an hour of prayer before a trial of a criminal. We'll tell the court that they're going to pray for an hour every day trying to to decide what to do when dealing with the life or death of a person. I can assure you that if a judge did that, someone will call the ACLU Jesse Jackson and Al Nassau Sharp tone complaining that their civil rights have been violated. God should always be considered when trying a couple of punishment to make sure that the right person is being tried for the crime that he or she is being accused. And yes, the Bible endorses the death penalty. God knows and understands that accidents do happen. And for a man who killed a person accidentally, God provided protection. If a man killed accidentally another man or any person, he could go to the city of refuge and stay there until the death of the high priest. But if he, if he went out of the city of refuge and the avenger of blood found him, he could kill him. And it was perfectly okay. He was fine because he should have stayed there. And all these guidelines are spelled out in the book of Numbers chapter 35. All these murders that are getting off the hook, but this insane principle are helping God to bring judgment on our nation and any nation that adopts the idea that you, the taxpayer, has to provide housing clothing, and lifetime medical care for guilty murderers. We need to take a long, hard look at these verses and understand that this is not man's idea. This is God's idea. God said that this is how we deal with it. But we refuse to do it. God will not bless a nation that takes, that makes it legal to kill the unborn, and tries to rehabilitate vicious criminals. 
You know, there was a time in America when the safest place for an unborn baby was the womb of his mother. Not anymore. Now that is the most dangerous place for an unborn baby. God will not bless a nation that defends and promotes same-sex marriage and forces businesses to provide a third bathroom for those who have a sick and twisted way of thinking. God will not bless that nation. God will not bless a nation that makes it illegal to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in public. God will not bless a nation that places higher value on the environment and on the lives of animals and disregards the souls of people. Psalm 9, uh, Psalm 9, verse 17 reads, The wicked shall turn into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11 reads, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set to do evil. You know, when I visit prison, to go see the bad hombres over there. I never go there to tell the inmates that, that I'm sorry to see them behind bars. That's not why I go there. I go there to give them the gospel. And if they repent, which some of them do, God will save their soul. But that murderer who has trusted in Jesus Christ should be put to death. God will not send you to hell if you have committed murder. He won't do it. But he will send you to hell for rejecting Jesus Christ. You know, we have people in the Bible who committed murder. You think David is going to be in heaven when we get there? You think Moses will be there when we get there? He'll be there. And Moses committed murder. Exodus 2, verse 12. David was a murderer and an adulterer. 2 Samuel eleven fourteen to 17. And two sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, destroyed a whole city. They'll be there. Now we come to the New Testament, and in Acts 25, we read that Paul is being falsely accused and he doesn't call for a defense attorney to represent him. He said, if I am guilty of a crime that is worthy of death, let's get it done. I like that, you know, that's a brave man. He said, if I'm guilty of the crime that these people are accusing me of, I refuse not to die, he said. Acts 25, 11, For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. God instituted civil government for the protection of the innocent and for the punishment of evildoers. In Bible language, a sword is instrument of death. A Roman soldier never went around spanking people with his sword. You know, he went around chopping heads. That's what he did. Human government is supposed to be a terror to criminals. 
But now it's the other way around. The death penalty accomplishes two things. One, the land becomes polluted when murders are not executed quickly because if a criminal is kept alive, even serving a life sentence, that criminal has nothing to lose and therefore he will kill anybody that gets in his way. After all, what are you going to do? Kill him? He's already sentenced to die. And the land, the land can only be clean by putting the criminal to death. That's what the Bible says. Number two, it delivers a clear message to anyone who is considering be committing a crime because they know that the law of the land will not allow them to sit in a room with air conditioning, watching TV, and getting three meals a day for the rest of their lives, all paid for by you and me. Now, during the tribulation, the Antichrist will have people put to death simply because some will refuse to worship an idol of himself. It is not uncivilized to do what is right. Justice is harsh. I understand that. But that's why it's called justice. It's supposed to be harsh. Every crime has to fit the punishment. She would say every punishment should fit the crime. Right? God, the judge of the universe, will put away everything that is offensive in his sight in a lake of fire. That should give you an idea. Now, I know that everything I said so far is negative. Your Bible is a very negative and bloody book. I know that. But this is not all bad news. The sooner this world becomes to the point that God cannot use it anymore, the sooner we go to heaven. This is not bad news, really. The best place to be is in the center of God's will. This is our hell and we can endure it. If you're doing what God calls you to do, you're in good hands. You can go to bed at night and sleep like a baby. And don't, worry, don't worry about any of these things. We're living in dark days. And things are only going to get darker as we go forward from here on. But if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, like I said, you're in good hands. And if you haven't, don't wait too long. God is not going to put up with this mess for too long. Come to Christ and get saved today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to preach your word. Pray, Lord, that someone has gotten offended by what I said, Lord, that you will allow them to think, put these things in practice, study your word, get into and find out what you have to say about all the things that are going on around us, Lord. Father, I pray for you people, pray for those who take up positions of leadership that you allow us, Lord, to, to do what is right, to serve you, and to be faithful until the end. Bring us back tonight, Lord, and we give you praise in everything we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Broner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707 
584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.